Haley Moore, welcome to the show. Hi, Andrea. Great to be here. I am glad you're here. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I've just given my audience a brief introduction to why I love this conversation. But um, if you would take a minute and share a little bit of your background and what you do that's kind of unconventional, because we already talked a little bit about the fact that you're a woman in tech, which is already unconventional, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I started my career as a software engineer. So I studied computer science and accounting in university. And uh, during my third year, I already started working and started my career as a software engineer. Mm -hmm. I was from the beginning of my career, almost the only woman always in the room. Mm. That's not a surprise. It's not changed. I don't think it changed much, to be honest with you, over the last 20 years or so. I would agree. Yeah. And uh, at some point of my career, about, I would say, maybe 10 years later, I realized that I wanted to become a manager. So what happened was I was promoted um, to a staff engineer, which is like a senior level. And and back then it was the company I worked for. It was equivalent for to a manager. So there was like a career. Uh, I would say there are two paths: individual contributor or manager. And that was the point where those diverged, and and sure. it got me to kind of think, oh, do I want to go? Because someone made a decision for me, right? Mm. And I said, actually, that's not what I want. It took me some time to get the courage to actually offer myself to a management position. A lot of that actually was uh, thanks to my husband who pushed me to do that. I was actually pregnant with my second child, eight months pregnant when an (laughs) opportunity arised at a company I worked for at the time. And I came to a manager that didn't know me at all and say, hey, I want to become. <laughs> Basically, I told him, look at me. I'm like almost getting deliver a baby <laughs> and I want to become a manager. <laughs> I'm sure he did a dance of happiness, didn't he? <laughs> he was very, very, very skeptical, skeptical, <laughs> to say the least. I was very fortunate, though that I had a former manager who knew me very well and really thought that I'm a good fit for that position. And I asked for his help. I asked him to help me and speak on my behalf. And it was a good opportunity for me actually delivering the baby back then, my second boy, and going on maternity leave because it allowed the space for this hiring manager to look for more candidates and talk to that former manager before making the decision. And luckily for me, I yeah. got that position. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes people just need time to understand that the choice they've been offered really is the best choice. <laughs> I think that's yeah, great. So, so it was actually at first I thought it was actually misfortune that I'm going to deliver just, you know, as that position opened, but actually it was a blessing because it allowed me to disconnect and it allowed that manager to have more time in order to make their decision. So it was a good thing eventually. Well, I'm being able to look back on some of the harder choices or some of the tougher periods of our lives and say, oh, I needed space there. And I didn't realize that we all needed space there. And I think that's very wise to be able to look back on that. Absolutely. To be honest with you, you know, with that second child, a lot of things happened around that that time. I was not happy 
with my work prior to, you know, having that second child. And um, I was considering leaving that company. I'd, I I think things are starting to change now, but back then I, I wanted a second child. And back then looking for a job when you're pregnant mm. was not really a thing. It was a problem. I think the it still was, is. Yeah. I, I'm hearing kind of, and I'm reading that there are companies that are open to that, but it's still not the norm. But and that for even a, a, for a company to have to say there's these companies that are open to this means that it is still a thing. It's a <laughs> right? thing, and you yeah. know, it was. I was debating with myself about that. I said, "What do I choose to bring mm-hmm. a second child now, or to move to a different company and then delay that in a year? I don't know in how long." And eventually, I decided that that I do want to bring the second child at that time. And I chose that and not over my career, but I delayed a little bit in the decision. And eventually I started the company and became a manager. But back then it was really a tough decision. Mm. And women should not make those decisions, should not be forced to make those decisions. Elaborate. Go. <laughs> if you want to have a child, right. you can have that child and you can progress your career at the same time and you can leave your job and, and pursue another opportunity. It Preach shouldn't it. be either yes. or. Yes. It shouldn't. It should not. That's why we're here. Let's change yes. the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you became a manager, but you're not that now. No. So what happened was I became a manager and everything in my life evolved around somehow around pregnancy, a lot of, a lot of big decisions in my life. So I wanted a third child. Actually, my husband was good with two. I convinced him to go for the third (laughs) and surprise, we got twins. Surprise. (laughs) So that was the biggest, biggest shock in my life. Anyway, I was pregnant with twins when my husband was offered to move to Denver, Colorado. Oh. And when he from, asked me that. Wait, from where? From Israel. I'm from in Israel, Israel now. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I told him, are you nuts? You lost your mind. I was pregnant then. <laughs> uh, I almost kicked him, kicked him out of the house. But then he got, you know. Basically what happened, I delivered the babies. I realized that, yeah, I can still survive. I can do it. And um, and and his manager really wanted us to relocate. He asked again. My husband was asking me again, very hesitantly, you know, if I'm willing <laughs> to consider. And I was. So basically, we moved countries. Sure. When I had twins that they were six months old, and mm. I had a, you know, a three and a half year old boy and six and a half year old girl, we moved all of us to the U.S. And back then, I needed to find a new job, mm-hmm. which I did. Um, so I continued my career as an engineering manager. And if, later on, I switched several jobs while in the US. We've been there for nine years and eventually became a director of engineering. And then what happened was I figured that's not the right. It took me several years, but I, I realized it's not what I want to do in my life. That I don't want to continue doing that. I don't want to pursue a higher level, like a VP of engineering. And because I saw what it meant, I saw a lot of politics mm. and I didn't want that. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't want that. And I realized that's not where I need to, to be. And uh, eventually it took me several years. It was a hard, hard decision uh, to decide to quit that path and pursue another. And it happened along the, the time that we decided to move back to Israel. Because I, I was afraid, to be honest. I was afraid. I had a very, very comfortable job, high paying. And I was afraid to make that change. And uh, uh, when we decided to go back, I said, that's my chance. I have to switch jobs anyway. And that's mm -hmm. my chance to, mm -hmm. to make a bold move. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where I decided to support women. And uh, because that was my passion for several years, I started mentoring women about five years ago, even more. And I decided that that's what I wanted to do. So I started doing different things. Mentoring, I started, uh, you know, did a coaching certification and I consult to companies. So I do different things and things kind of evolved. And it happens just because I was patient. I was mm -hmm. patient to realize that things will happen if I believe in myself and I give myself enough time, it will happen. Not just naturally, obviously I need to move, make right. have to do things, effort, right? But sometimes you have to realize that things take time and you need, mm -hmm. you need to have that belief yeah. in yourself. Yeah, I, I had this conversation just in this last week. Um, we're recording this the week that my 100th episode on my podcast came out. And, wow. um, you know, when you start, you don't think I'm going to do 100 episodes, but you don't want to quit, right? And then when you hit it, you, you look back and I was thinking, wow, there's a lot of work that went into that. Interviewed over 48 women, um, had, my best friend came on and started Record, helping me do all the recordings and the producing and the engineering and everything. And um, and then I realized that's a lot of hours. But it, two years ago, I would have said, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. But as you do it little by little by little by little, the small steps taken consistently over time give you big results. And that's Absolutely. basically saying, give yourself some patience. So who specifically do you serve? Like who are my, you? My, I serve women in the tech industry from different levels, from junior to, to, you know, managers, directors, and founders. I work with different levels. Um, and I really enjoy that. I want to make my small mark and making a, a change, mm -hmm. helping women really realize, I mean, the best thing that you know, the most fulfilling moments are moments where I'm able to give someone confidence that she can do it. Isn't that wonderful? That's incredible. It It's one of those things that gives you the, like the, the goosebumps, the tinglies all over. And it's like you get off a coaching call or you leave your client for if you were meeting in person. And um, it is amazing. It's a gift. It is a true gift. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's who you serve, but we're, you're talking here with me and you're, we're sharing your story. And I know there are other women who are in tech who might be listening to this, or maybe they're even in a, not even necessarily a similar path, but there are a lot of career paths that are very male dominated. Um, so, you know, anyone listening to this, to be able to say, I hit that spot where it's like, do I want to go any further? Well, maybe I don't. Right. So this is just a really good opportunity to hear be patient, 
let yourself take the time to figure out what you want to do and, and do it from there and go there. Yeah. And I think it's also very important to ask yourself when you ask yourself if I want to do it or not, why, and what is holding me back? Because back then for me, I didn't want to become a VP, not because I was afraid or thought that I couldn't do it. It just, I didn't want to. But for some, it may be, well, maybe I'm incapable, maybe I'm not good enough. So really try to ask yourself some very challenging questions, right? I mean, am I afraid of? Do you do I think I'm not good enough? And if that's the, if that's the case, then you need to find some people who can support you and lift you up. It can be your family members, it can be friends, it can be mentors, it can be coaches, mm-hmm. it can be peers or some people in your company. Yeah. It matters, right? To have that yeah, circle. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's very important. And you, you gave a good example of that with your former boss yeah. when you said, I asked, I asked him to advocate yeah. for me, right? And um, that's a big thing too, is being an advocate, like have, finding advocates and then being an advocate for others. Absolutely. Um, is that part of your work? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yes, when there are women that are in situations where when they need some some advocates, we definitely, you know, work on that, on finding the people who can vouch for them. It's very important. Uh, yeah. Finding allies. You know, it's, we want to think that women are our allies, but they aren't always. Uh, yes, are in they? my experience, actually, it was the opposite. So my allies yeah. actually were men, not women. Yeah. And of course, that's my message, is that we have to be, I mean, it's great to have men who are our allies, but we have to be each other's allies. Absolutely. We have to be willing to say, there is enough room at the table. We need to link arms. We need to walk together rather than trying to go fast. We need to like go far, right, together. Um, I love this story. I love the way you're very carefully telling it and how you've thought about it and how it's completely fed into exactly what you do now. Um, let's go back early. Yeah to more as maybe a young girl or um, or a teenager, I love to talk to leaders about their earliest leadership memory. What is something that when you look back, you can say, you know, I never thought of that as leadership. But when I look back, I can see that was the first time I remember ever taking a leadership role in anything. Do you have a memory like that? One memory that comes to mind is when I uh, was about to go to high school and the school that I, uh, where I lived, we, you know, you know, it's like in the U.S., you belong to the school based on where you live. I didn't like that school. I didn't thought that was the best fit for me. And actually, there was another high school that was even closer to where I lived physically, but I didn't belong to. So I made a decision that that's the school I wanted to go to, and I had to go to the district or whatever and ask for an exception right to be transformed to that school without knowing anyone there and you know and they they approved it did you do that all by yourself so your parents didn't do that for you no you didn't have what we call helicopter parents who went and advocated (laughs) for you you did it I, i had parents who supported me a lot yeah for sure there's a difference though yeah so did you have to go before the board? Did you have to write a proposal? What did you have to was, do? It was simpler than that. It wasn't that complicated. I, I just had to write a letter and, you know, and ask for that. And it was 
pretty simple, actually, eventually. I was afraid. I mean, I was having these thoughts in my head, <laughs> what's going to happen if they're going to reject me and all that. It was much, much simpler. I just said, I live much closer. It doesn't make sense for me to go that far from the other school. That's that's what I use the proximity, you mm. know, factor as I didn't want to say, oh, that school is not good or whatever. I mean, I just said that school is much, much closer to my home. And it worked. <laughs> it's just that easy. Don't you think? It's the logical thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> So how has that kind of shaped your mindset as a leader today? Is that, do you find yourself being willing to say, here's the practical, logical explanation? I mean, is that something that shaped you? I don't know how that shaped me, but I think it it gave me the confidence that if I want something and I'm determined enough, I can I can make it happen. Yeah, that's a really important thing because you talked about giving other people confidence. Yeah. Um, and so... Would you say that that is something that made a difference? Like when you were thinking to about whether or not you wanted to be the manager or not, um, did you find that that confidence was what kind of helped you make that decision? Definitely. I mean, confidence that I can do it. I mean, uh, I didn't have the experience. By the way, my first management position, I was in charge of 25 people. It wasn't supposed to happen like that, but it did. No. <laughs> so on the first day when I got back, think about it. I have a three month old baby. I'm coming back to work from maternity leave. And my new manager say, I have great news for you. I said, okay, let's listen to this <laughs> great news. He said, instead of managing five people, as we originally talked about, you're going to manage 25 people. Lordy. I was like, oh my goodness. It's like, I was, I was terrified. I didn't think it's a good news actually. So I had that same thing happen to me. Really? Literally. Yes. I got hired into my first like real management position. And I thought I was going to supervise five administrative assistants. And I walked in that first day and sat down with my boss and our HR partner. And she said, everyone that I manage, Andrea now manages. <laughs> and oh it was 23. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to fall out of my chair. I understand the fear. So what did you do? The first thing I did is going to my manager and I said to him, I need some support. Mm. So listen, I mean, first of all, I told myself, there's no way I'm going give, to give up on this opportunity, right? I mean, it's scary yeah. as hell, but I'm going to yeah. do it. it. Just, I... I felt so inconfident and I didn't know what I was doing. And there's no handbook, right, for new managers. So so they need some help. Yeah. And his response was actually was supportive. And he said, but he didn't want to do the dirty work himself. It's not, I don't know if he didn't want to or he was just too busy or whatever. He said, I'm going to find you a coach. Oh. Which he did. He brought a coach and we met for several, I don't know if it was a few months, I think. Not every week, but maybe every other week. Mm-hmm. But she was not very helpful. <laughs> uh, because, not because she was a bad coach. It's n- It was not what I needed at that mm-hmm. time. I needed a mentor, not a coach. Uh, I needed someone, and the, the, the big differentiation was, I needed someone who's been there, done that, and right. can give me some answers, not just ask me questions. Because the coaching in essence, right? I mean, you probably know that the coaching is like, if I coach someone, maybe I coach a CEO and I've not, I haven't been a CEO. I'm not there to tell them 
what to do. I'm not there to give them advice. I'm there to help them realize things for themselves mm-hmm. by asking the right questions, by challenging and so forth. Mm-hmm. I was not mature enough back then in my career. I mean, definitely not as a manager to be able to do that. Yeah. I needed someone that I could tell him, how do you run a staff meeting? How do you, how right. do you do that? I mean, can you help me? Is what I'm doing even the right, I needed someone to give me more support, not to tell me what to do, but to help the, help me. Sure. I think that's a really good distinction too, right? Because at different stages in your career, you may need different kinds of support. Absolutely. Yeah. When I was actually a director of engineering, I had a coach and it was a very, very good and enriching experience for me. So it really depends where you're at at your career and what do you need at that time. As you did that and um, you you learned that, what at what point, because you were a new manager and you needed someone to actually mentor you, but at some point you realized, I really am a leader. I really am somebody who can do this. That coach wasn't what you needed. What was it that kind of pushed you into that realization, I'm a leader, I've discovered my mission, and this is what I want to do. What was it that kind of helped you step up? First of all, realizing that it's not helping. So I went to my manager and I told him, this coach, I'm not saying she's a bad coach, but she's not what I need. So basically, I fired her. You can say, I mean, there's no better way to say that. Sure. Again, in a nice way, not in a bad way, but I said, she's not what I need. And I eventually found a solution myself. So this former manager of mine that supported me so much, I reach out to him and, and, and ask him if he's willing to meet with me on occasions and help me. I didn't tell him, oh, can you mentor me? I didn't even thought about the word mentoring at that time. But I just asked for his help, for his time. And he was happy to do that. He was not willing to commit to a regular set time that we schedule, but he was willing to just ad hoc when I'm ne- when I need him and he's available. And that's what we did. So, so I you found my your- own solution. Yes. And that's a leadership thing, right? It's like you lead yourself first and then you lead others. So you found your own solution and then you moved up and got what you needed. And this bigger change, I think, when you decided to not go even higher in that particular career change, sounds like that was a time that you said, all right, full pivot. I want to travel a totally different road. Um, what were the decision pieces in there and that caused you to kind of step up and kind of take the spotlight in a different way? I felt strong, strong feeling inside me that I'm not on the right path. I wasn't sure exactly what I, it wasn't like I didn't have a very clear picture of what I wanted to do, but I knew that I don't want to pursue. I don't want to continue. And what happened was when we got back here to Israel, the natural thing would be, okay, look for a job, right? For a similar director or VP of engineering job here. And a lot of people reach out to me and say, hey, come to my company, you know, and I did that, by the way. I did meet with several companies. I did meet with several headhunters. But every time I did that, I felt, no, I cannot do that. I cannot do that. Just something in your head was screaming. Yeah, it was screaming at me. That's not what I needed. So what I did, I just took a step back. I said, okay, I need to take a step back and figure things out. And and then things started happening. Then I reached out to Power to Fly, the company I consult with today and the, the company I started working with as a client, you know, 
to find women uh, to my organization. And I started consulting with them. And I started consulting to another company that needed help with mentorship. Things kind of happened, you know, when I was relaxed and I took a step back, things started coming up. So that is in itself a testimony, right? Um, You discovered a passion through being able to just say, I'm going to give and I'm going to see what I get back, right? It's like, or maybe even just gave without having to, or even expecting anything. I did that for several years, by the way. I started okay. that path. What what incredible is that what led to what I'm doing today is something completely coincidental. I was with a company that is still mentor with them today. They're called Plateau HQ. They have mentorship for engineering and product leaders. They reached out to me at the beginning of their journey as a company in end of 2016 and and asked me if I'm willing to mentor engineering managers. And there is no return. I mean, no financial return. It's mm-hmm. completely voluntarily. And I do that till this day. And I mentor with many, many organizations with no return, no mm-hmm. financial return. And uh, that eventually what shaped what I'm doing today to some degree. So it's incredible. I really relate to what you say that you give without expecting a return and you get so much more back. It's it's hard to change your mindset to be able to do that because so many times we think, well, I have to get I have to get a return on this otherwise because I only have so many hours in a day, right? And um so what was it that gave you the freedom to do that? To just volunteer I think there are several things. First of all, I was paid very well, so it wasn't okay. the money that I needed an extra income, right? Right. The uh, time allocation was like 30 minutes every week most. So it oh, was not like yeah. a huge time sink, right? I didn't have to spend hours and hours per week. And just being able to give back and build my confidence as if I'm helping others, you know, I'm I'm a subject matter expert. Absolutely. It helped me build even my confidence even bigger. So I think it was a combination of those things. Okay. Because I think that's something that we need to hear, especially those of us, um, like for me, I was kind of hitting, well, I'm 56 this month, you know? So for me hitting that place where it's like, I, it's time to start giving back and I launched my own business. So there's a certain amount of that, but I find myself still working with people that I used to work with and I still answer questions and I still give advice and um, because I have it to give. Right. And it's, yeah, I don't, I don't own it. You know, it's, it's information that I give. This podcast is that same kind of thing. It's like we give because it helps us. I love that. It helps you build your confidence. It helped you figure out how you wanted to say things um, how people want to hear it from you and all those things are extremely important, but being able to give without expecting anything has a completely different energy on the receiving end, doesn't it? Absolutely. And this is an advice I, a lot of times give people that work with me. I tell them find opportunity to give back whatever works for you, you know, it doesn't have to be mentoring. It can be something else because giving back, you get so much more out of that that you don't right. even realize. 
Yeah, we don't. We never even, I don't think we ever realize it. Yeah. So let's shift gears just a little bit um, because I know that someone like you who has done as much as you have um, and with four children, twins at the very end, you, I'm sure, have some kind of a leadership principle that you live by on a daily basis that kind of keeps you on track with your goals. What might that leadership principle be? I lead with humility and authenticity. Mm. Those are the things that are most important for me and are also things that are important for me in people I work with. I like mm. to work with people who, no matter where they are, how successful they are, they're humble. They don't see themselves above all others. They understand that there's still a lot for them to learn. And that's what I feel myself. Like I can learn from anyone. I can learn from people who have far less experience than me. That's fine. All of us have stories to tell. I'm not above anyone. And I really believe in authenticity. And that's how I led teams. I was always very open. Mm -hmm. That's why, by the way, one of the reasons I didn't want to get to the next level, because I felt like I will lose some of that authenticity. I will have to play a role. Mm. Because when you get to executive levels to some degree, you cannot share everything. You have to keep some some things to yourself. And, and uh, it was very hard for me. And it doesn't mean someone who can do that is bad. No, absolutely not. You know, and I talk a lot about values, right? It's like for you, that's yeah. your values, you know, humility yeah. and authenticity. And without having that, I fully understand. Like my husband and I joke about, wouldn't it be nice if we could go into like politics here and actually change things in our local politics? I'm like, they would never elect us. We're too <laughs> honest. We, <laughs> we say what we think. We're too authentic. <laughs> I'll bet you would be the same way. <laughs> yes, yes. So I think that realizing the values that are important to us is a key to make the decisions yeah. that are right for us. I love that. I call values my guardrails. Yeah. I call them my guardrails. They keep me on the road because it's so easy to chase money or chase fame or chase approval. And if you have your guardrails up, if you know what they are, then you're more likely to stay on the road. You're more likely to stay on the path that you need to be on and um, they help you make good decisions. Absolutely. Um, so as we move forward into this, um, surely there's something that you have as a leader that kind of helps you stay in that space of being authentic and being humble on a daily basis. Like I think four kids keeps it, keeps you humble, but um, <laughs> I have one and he keeps me humble, but do you have a habit or a ritual that, or a behavior that helps you stay present and on top of your goals or on top of those values? Is there something that you have that you do on a regular basis? I exercise every day, almost every day. Mm -hmm. To be honest, I didn't feel so well uh, over the last few days. So I didn't go to the gym, but I try really to, work out almost every single day and it helps me keeping myself obligated to my health helps me my day looks different when i work out and i start my day you know after i did something for myself i moved my body i took care of my body that's very important for me yeah a lot I, of I, times i i just schedule things around that i mean and and it's not that I don't make accommodations or, you know, sometimes I do say, okay, I'll meet if I have like a 
workshop or something that goes early in the morning and I cannot go to the gym, I'll do that. But in general, I try not yeah. to book things in those times that are sacred for my health. Oh, I like that word sacred. Um, I had to learn to put it on my calendar and it needs to be like first thing for me. Yeah. Because yeah. if I don't, I got 10,000 other things that happen. Um, and so tell me how taking care of yourself first helps you stay authentic. We are the most valuable resource we have. It took mm. me some time to realize that. And I was always like, and you know that probably as being a mother, I mean, uh, when you have, when you become a mother, you put others in front of you. And I realized at some point that, well, I have to change that. I have to put myself first so I can be a complete person. I can feel like I'm taking care of myself from all aspects and I can be the best version of myself. Yeah, that's good. And do you find that um, when you were in a management position as you grew and went higher and higher in the company, did you ever find yourself putting your team above you in the same way? I'm sure it happened. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it did. Um, especially more at the beginning of my career that I felt less confident. Mm. I was trying to satisfy. Mm. I, I wanted to make people happy. Yeah. <laughs> but that is a over, over time, <laughs> it changed. Over time, I, I became more mature as a manager and more confident that I knew that I needed to not just myself, but the company I work for and, and the interest of the company first. Mm -hmm. And not, it doesn't say that it contradicts with taking care of people, but sometimes it means that you need to prioritize things above people needs mm -hmm. and do th some things that maybe they are not happy with. Sure. Um, yeah, that's a hard, that is a hard thing for managers. That's yeah. a hard thing to, yeah. And that's, that's something that um, having a good mentor is very valuable in that kind of a situation because when you have somebody to go to and say, what do I do in this situation? And so they're able to say, yep, that's a hard one, but you still have to stand your ground. Um, so, okay, that's, that's good. Now let's talk about those mentoring versus coaches yeah. because on the show, we talk about green flags because we're the optimists around here, right? So red flags are things we don't want to do, but let's talk about in the idea of, knowing how you need, which one you need, whether you need a mentor or whether you need a coach, what would be some green flags that you would look for in either in you or in someone maybe that you're looking at? Like, let's say you need a mentor and so you're looking for these things or you need a coach and you're looking for these things. So I'll take the two extremes because it, it will be easier, I think, for people to understand. If you have no idea what you're doing, right? You're in a situation and you need help, like I was, think about me, as I started managing, I had, I knew that I needed to manage, I knew that I have the capabilities, but I had no clue what I was doing. Yeah. In situations like that, that you feel lost, feel like, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I need someone to help me. That's where mentors are going to be much more valuable than coaches. Yeah. Because they're going to help you. They're going to help you figure that out. But I want to caveat something here. Mentors should not tell you what to do. What should they tell you? They should tell you, you know, they, they should help you realize, you know, 
what you should do based on the circumstances and they can support you. They can give you some options. They can share experiences. I really try to be very careful from telling people what to do and giving specifics because what works for me will not necessarily work for them. There are different different kind of people than I am. They work with different people that I am. They work in different companies. I don't know what's going to work, <laughs> but I can do share things that work for me. I can give them some options. I can give them some, a lot of times what I like doing is give them some, maybe some th- things to, to explore. Yeah. And the other side, the coaching side is, let's say, you know what you want. You even know what you need to do in order to get there, but some, somehow it doesn't work. Mm. You don't, you're not able to achieve your goals. You're not able to execute. You're stuck, but you know what you need to do. You know what you want. That's the other extreme where a coach can really help you, can help you keep yourself accountable, can help you organize everything, can help you prioritize for yourself, right? Where to start, how to set up those small goals, how to make incremental changes. That's where a coach can really help you. That's the other extreme. I like it in those extremes. Yeah. Like the very first one is if you have no idea what you're doing, if you're totally lost, you yeah. need a mentor. <laughs> if you know what you want and where you want to go, you're just having trouble getting there. You need a coach. I love that. Yeah. And I'll tell you something that maybe is, I don't know if it's controversial, but anyway, I go don't believe it. in <laughs> like being only one thing. I truly believe, and this is kind of contradicts the coaching program that I went through, but because the coaching program teach you by the book, you shouldn't give an opinion. You shouldn't say anything. Just ask questions, you know, and lead them to find the answers. I don't really don't believe in that. I believe that you need to bring yourself in a way that will help the coachee in what they need to achieve. And it's always a mix. Like when I mentor I don't just mentor. I use coaching tools in mentoring people. So it's kind of a combination. And based on the person needs, you need to balance those things. Right. Because for some people, they know exactly what they want. You don't need to tell them anything. They Mm -hmm. just go and do it. You just need to help them get there. Some people may need some to hear from you a little bit. So I think it's a combination. I'm going to say we're just going to be controversial together because yeah. I 100% agree. And it, that's how I coach. And, you know, you don't go through careers like we've had and not have any experience that you can help with. Right. And when you coach well, you read the client well. So if somebody's constantly, if you as a listener are saying, okay, I think I need a mentor. But what you've got is someone who says, okay, here's how you need to set this up. You need to do A, B, C, D, and E. Then that's not really a mentor. That's a teacher. Yeah. And that's different. And so when I coach, I do the same thing. I listen, I ask questions, I offer options. And even I'll tell a story, you know, of something that I did or how it worked for me, because then people, then your client can actually hear oh, that's how it worked in that situation. And you'd be surprised. Most of the people who, if you're wanting a coach or you're wanting a mentor, you've probably got what you need to get you where you're going. You just don't realize it. And so a good coach or a good mentor is just going to help you figure it out 
So half the time, Lamore, you're probably just like this. You'll ask one question or give one example and they'll be off to the races and they'll figure it out. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's what a good coach can do. And I love this. It's a really good way to distinguish between the coach and the mentor. And even now I just brought up teachers because that's just very, our trainers, very different. Um, and there might be a situation where you need something like that. But I love that you're, we're, hey, let's just be controversial. It's always an yeah. And actually, I had someone that I started mentoring uh, yesterday, and and he was expecting me to go with some training, you know, like oh yeah, teach him stuff. And I said, no, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not a trainer. That's not what we're get, what we're gonna do here. Yeah, I'm not gonna teach you. Yeah, we're gonna do this together. But eventually, you're gonna do whatever you need to do. I'm not gonna. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a trainer. Yeah, and I'm. I've got three clients right now are walking through books because I'm a Maxwell leadership coach. So I have access to be able to teach on those books, but I don't walk them through the book. I say, tell me what you learned. (laughs) Tell me what you got out of this because I know what the books say, but that gives them, so that's just a piece of what we do. And it gives them an opportunity to process information in another place, in another time, and to think about it and come in and say, oh, I learned this thing about myself. Oh, I learned that I don't have this and I need this skill. Um, And it's really refreshing to be able to look at someone, like we said at the very beginning, and have their confidence just skyrocket all of a sudden because they figured out the answer. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun. Um, Normally, I ask for advice, but I think um, that this coaching versus mentoring is green flags and advice. But if there was somebody decided they need a mentor or they need a coach, what would be the first thing that you would tell them to do? I think start looking around them for people that they know already and figure out if someone can help them. Uh, because the most important thing is to have trust and respect for someone you work with. So try to look for people around you who can help you or who can help you figure out what you need. Uh, and and sometimes if you just have no idea, you can start Google and look online and maybe follow some people. It's a personal connection. It's so important to build that connection with the person you're working with. We're not robots, right? We need to connect. And um, and I had situations in the past that I started working with people and it, it wasn't a fit. So you need to find someone that you really can connect to. So either just looking for people and, and, and watching what they do on social media and listen to them on podcasts or what have you to realize if that's the right person for you mm. or well, try and even, through your network. Yeah. I was going to say, I like what you said at the beginning because um, of that answer, because many times there's somebody in your organization that would do that for you. Mm-hmm. Like your, <laughs> your boss that didn't mentor yeah. you. Yeah, I met with you ad hoc. I'm not willing to commit to a schedule. I'm not willing to do, but I'm willing to answer your questions. And it's amazing how the people in your network, you know, I've talked with quite a few networking specialists and the people in your network really can help you. And a lot of times they're the ones that have the information you need and they already know you. Absolutely. And sometimes you can just ask colleagues of who helped them. Like if you have someone you look up to in your company or in your network, say, hey, who helped you? They yeah. may refer you to people they worked with because a lot of times, and you probably know it, that the most, actually the most successful people are the ones that take coaches and mentors Yeah, because they care about their professional growth. So you can 
look at people around you that you really appreciate and either ask for their help or ask them who helps them. Well, and I right at the very beginning of your story when you said your boss automatically just got you a coach. I was like, oh, wow, how forward thinking, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I think for that time, it was really not, not conventional. Normal. Yeah. yeah. And um, I mean, I know there have been coaches around before coaching was a thing, you know, I mean, um, 40 and 50 years ago, there were people who basically were coaches, but um, that wasn't normal. And that was very forward thinking. And that was beautiful to see. But it was also good to see that you advocated for yourself to say, I need a little bit different. You figured out that you were lost (laughs) (laughs) to guide you along the path. Um, so do you work specifically with people in the tech industry, especially women? Because I said, I heard you just said you had a, a male client. Yes, I have both. Okay. My passion is women, but I also help men. Okay. I don't discriminate. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, but I, I do have I, I do work also with men, but but my passion is supporting women just because that's the mark I want to leave. Yeah. On this planet. I want to have more women successful in the tech industry. And specifically tech just because that's where I come from. That's that's what I know best. And I feel like that's where I can bring most value. Sure. To be honest. I understand. I um I understand completely. I mean, I I I discounted my years in the university medical system because I just I thought I don't want to be a part of that anymore. But the reality is I'm I know that system. I know the challenges. I know what it's like to manage people. I know all of those things. I know what it's like to translate back and forth between doctors and researchers. And so um it's it's interesting when we find our sweet spot and be able to say. These are the people that I have a passion for. I can help anybody, but these are the people I have a passion for. Exactly. And I, th- I strongly believe in being specific about who is your target audience, about who you can help the most, mm-hmm. rather than say, oh, I'm going to help everyone. I'm, yeah. I can coach everyone. Sure you can. Because I mean, can, we're listening. But- yeah. <laughs> Well, before we close up today, I know that we are going to do a guest speaker series with you so we can get some really targeted information at that time. Um, But before we close, we always ask every guest, what is one thing that you can be optimistic about even when everybody else thinks you're crazy? I want to be optimistic on, on this planet. I, on a personal note, became vegan five years ago because I strongly believed that's the right thing to do for the planet and for the animal's sake and for our health. So I want to end up with being optimistic that we can still save this planet from diminishing completely. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like we're doing a pretty good job ruining this place. I get it. It's just every day there's something, isn't it? But here's the deal. Um, Each and every person making a choice in any area makes a difference. Yes, yes, exactly. Every single one. So thank you. Thank you, Lamore. This has been a treat. Um, I look forward to talking to you more and some potential other collaborations because I think we have so much in common and to yes. talk about. It was a great um, pleasure. Thank you so much, Andrea. Thank you. All righty. Did you catch all those amazing little gems? Before I share the ones that I found most helpful, Let's look at how Lamore embodies the tenets of intentional optimism. Now, of course, I do this for every guest because we all have unique and different lives. And while what we do is different, intentional optimism is how we do what we do. It's the attitudes and mindsets that we employ and embody to live out our own goals and dreams with excellence. So let's look at them one by one. For optimistic, 
You know, she used one of my favorite words to describe it, possibilities. She makes options, choices, and potential visible to others. I just love that. For present, she is so generous with her time, money, relationships, and expertise. Not only has she volunteered and mentored for ages, she made it really clear that she does not sell. She gives. Under energetic, she is creative. She's so industrious, always looking for ways to do more, thinking outside the box, and helping her clients do the same. She's courageous. Two things on this one, and they both fall under resilience. First, she's serious about her character. She is intent on staying humble and authentic. And second is consistency. She does the small things daily that make big things possible. My processes and methods, they're all aligned with my why, she said. Limor is wise, and it shows up and is evident in her ability to set compassionate yet firm boundaries. She understands where she ends and others begin, promoting respect for boundary lines, both in her coaching and mentoring and in her career. And of course, she's intentional. She was very clear about her purpose. She said, I know why I do what I do. And she holds her vision of her future out there for motivation. Lamore is unconventional in her leadership because her passion to lead ambitious women in tech to find the next level in their careers is a reflection of her humility and authenticity core values. And those make her a fabulous role model for following exactly how to do it in your own way, following your own path, and leading others to do the same. Remember, unconventional leaders lead at every level, in any area, using their unique gifts. So my biggest takeaways from this conversation revolve around truly understanding what it is you need. Lamore cut straight to the heart of it when she gave us her green flags for how to know whether you need a mentor or a coach. I've never heard it broken down quite this way, but it's perfect. She said, let's look at the two extremes. On one end, you're lost. If you don't know what to do or where you want to go, you need a mentor. Someone who's going to offer you examples or give you options or kind of help guide you. On the other end, you're just a little unsteady. You know where you want to go. You even know how to get there, but you need someone to hold you accountable or help you set small goals. In this instance, you need a coach. But here's the beautiful thing. There are plenty of both of those out there. I loved that her first mentor was her former manager who didn't agree to be a mentor. (laughs) I'm also very glad that she pointed out that you can find coaches or mentors out there who are a little of both. I think you'll find even more of those today than you would have six months ago. I have a friend who calls herself a mentor. I call myself a coach, but I follow the same model as Limor. I give my clients what they need at the time that they need it. So what part of Lemore's story resonated most with you? Are you a woman in tech who needs to connect with someone like her and get inside her circle and her network? Perhaps you're not in that field, but you recognize that you are ready to take that next step in your career, and you're not exactly sure what you need. Well, understanding your own strengths and skills, or maybe even a little gentle accountability, she pointed that out too, evidently she and I both have that same passion for that word, the accountability that keeps you focused on your own path or your goals can really make a difference. So let's chat. Hop on my calendar for a 30-minute consultation, and we'll get you a strategy in place. If you loved this episode, go to the top of your screen and hit that follow or subscribe button, and then simply scroll down and click the five stars. It'll make a huge difference in helping us get amazing stories like Lemoore's out to more women. 
If this one really resonated with you, take a screenshot and tag me on social media and tell me what was helpful. I love to hear what you're learning. That way, it'll be easier to share the podcast with your friends because you know you thought of somebody who needs to hear Lamore's story, didn't you? Now, if you'd like to hear more from her, she and I will be streaming live the week this episode airs on my guest speaker series. The YouTube channel link is in the show notes, but if you don't catch it live, you can catch it on the replay. Plus, all of her contact information is in the show notes too. Until next time. Oh good, you're still here because I have one more invitation for you. My newsletter, Optimistic Living, is full of good stuff delivered straight to your inbox. So for weekly encouragement, tips, and even some special offers, hop over to my website and sign up because unconventional leaders lead at every level in any area using their unique gifts. And you, my friend, are a leader. You are the future of leadership and the role models for future generations. (music) 